Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Safety is the organizational genesis for real understanding, empathy, and communication in your workforce. Leading safety first drives a positive evolution in your work practices. As we teach safety, we are enabling our leaders to learn more about their teams and the amazing diversity of background and diversity of thought that make our workplaces great. Hi. I'm Mark, and I'm so happy that you've joined me for this episode of the podcast. This past week, I had the great distinction of attending my very first Society of Human Resource Management conferences. This is their annual conference in which they cover just an amazing amount of topics, more than I could have ever hoped to attend and research and be a part of. And it was held in New Orleans this past year, and then it was just happened this past week. It was a fantastic experience, and it was amazing not only to sit through many of the the talks and the seminars, but to walk through the vendor and expo area to see what technology is coming, to understand where items are where people are wanting to spend their money, because that's usually an indication of what's coming is where do I want to put my money? What do I want to invest in? A lot of what I focused on this past year uh, or this past week, I keep saying year because now it's over and they're planning for next year is a lot of diversity and and inclusion activities, because I think that's highly important that we understand the new diversity of our workplace. We are huge into diversity in our current workplace more so than ever and i know generationally they talk about how the baby boomers used to just dominate the workplace that was the main generational people and now we actually have quite a few divisions in various generations that are all combining into the workplace and so there's a huge gap in how we train and teach and lead with this various amount of generational diversity, but then you add in all the other amazing diversity that we have, and it makes it wonderful because of the differences in thought, the differences in ability to think and find problem solving and collaboration 
it also creates a challenge for motivation. How do we motivate and not demotivate some of these groups as we're working? And it's it's a great understanding of how we have to relook at our workplace. And a lot of Expo and a lot of the people that were training and teaching and also selling some of their items revolved around diversity and revolved around new ways of thinking. And how do we track that? How do we use artificial intelligence or or using algorithms to see the actual pulse of our organization's DEI efforts? I found that fantastic because when the fundamental of DEI is if you take one step back and go, what is that? It's empathy. It's putting yourself in someone else's shoes or trying to and understanding what it is like for them to be in that workplace. And as you've heard me say many times, the root of safety is empathy. Something I'm really trying to understand is that if you don't care about a human being going home to their family not hurt, do you have any empathy? And it's the beginning of understanding of empathy, the beginning of emotional intelligence that creates that ability to understand safety. And then once we have safety from a physical standpoint, so follow my train of thought here, we first have, because it's even tricky in my head and it's dancing around up there. The first step we have is the idea of empathy. Empathy leads to safety, that I don't want to see someone physically, something I can see, touch, hear coming, and be a part of and witness it. Physical safety. That empathy then goes, well, you know, we got to go beyond physical safety. We have to go to emotional and mental safety. That is the development of our DEI initiatives. These are the next level of what we're looking at. If what is it like not only to be a worker in protecting my body, But then what does it mean to be a worker and protecting my mind and protecting my emotions? And then what does it what is it like to be a real worker, someone who brings their outside experience, someone who brings their outside lived life into the workplace to feel accepted as that my values, my opinion, my ideas truly matter I think that's some of the great ideas that are coming from DEI. And it begins. It ultimately begins with listening, understanding, and motivation. We want to motivate the right initiatives. We want to motivate people to understand each other, to communicate effectively to each other, to be tolerant of each other. But we also want to assure that we're not doing things, that we're not putting items in place or even unintentionally that can happen that can demotivate someone from talking or participating or being part of the group. And it's funny, there was years ago that, and this is, this is kind of a fuzzy logic, but I'm going to do it anyway. It was years ago that I was really young. I was a teenager and I was going to my first time up North to a big city to visit a family member and down here in the South, we say y'all, which is you all, um, which is actually a pretty nice way of saying a group of people. But I knew up north they said you guys a lot. So I started teaching myself to say you guys because I didn't want to sound like a country bumpkin. And now, much later in life, let's call it 30 years later, a little bit less than 30 years later, I'm coming back and I'm reteaching myself to say you all because or even y'all because it is 
kind of cute when you hear that sometimes. Um, but I'm teach reteaching myself to say that because I want my language to be inclusive. And it's funny that years ago I thought it was something very country and it's, it can still be considered Southern, but it also is very inclusive. And I, I actually have a sticker on my laptop that says y'all means all. And I think that's phenomenal. I think it really summarizes how I feel about diversity and how we have to be inclusive and be open and be listening. And it's something very personal to me in my life and it's something that matters to me. And while I was at the HR conference, I know I've kind of gotten off track. I was really interested when I heard about emotional safety, mental safety, and the bridge was there. I mean, it was ripe for the taking because part of HR, when you look at it, is all DOL. So the Department of Labor, which does have a hand from human resources. So there can be that transition that can happen, like I made, to understand that there could be physical safety there too. And I think there was something missing there. I wish there had been more about the physical safety and the empathy that should be created to have physical safety rather than just the emotional safety. Those are good topics. I'm not saying you don't need that, but I would love to actually have been there to hear the HR strategists, the, the thinkers of the HR world, to have that consideration of empathy leading to that, that site, leading purpose of bringing in OSHA. That if you fundamentally don't care if someone lives or dies in your workplace, none of that other stuff is going to matter. It's not going to happen in that workplace because of a fundamental lack of empathy and having to fulfill that emotional intelligence, that learning, that desire for EI that develops the empathy. Anyway, it was a fantastic trip and really learned a lot and excited about what is coming next in the HR and safety worlds as we continue to develop this idea of empathy. I've got more podcast coming up in just a moment. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. And welcome back to the second half of our Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I want to continue our discussion of an article that was republished in the March 2022 Professional Safety Journal from the American Association of Safety Professionals. Something fun they were doing is now in, in certain issues, they are putting back safety classics that were peer-reviewed. And the article that I have been just addicted to, and I keep going back to, and this is probably the third time I've talked about it on the podcast, is Larry Hansen's rebraining corporate safety and health. It's time to think again. And this was from 1995. 
So if we go back to 1995, I am like a sophomore in high school. It's I'm not even thinking about high school graduation or even what I'm going to do in college or anything. I'm just kind of living my life and surviving that, which is high school. <laughs> so, but this article uh, is so true today as it was when it was written. I'm sure it was very controversial then, because to me, it's controversial now from what it talks about. And so I want to go back to that with this, this article and look at some other items that are going into this process. And what is in here is that he would define what is the current logic or the current wisdom of the era and why that shouldn't be the logic anymore, why it should be different. And so this one here is the prevailing wisdom is that safety inspections are a timely and effective way to identify problems. His, his recourse to that, his, his other side of the coin is that the new logic, the uncommon logic should be, is that they only defer their ultimate occurrence because true accidents are not because of the production floor. Real causes are found in the corporate office. His, his idea from back in 1995 is being validated more and more today as data is becoming more available. The Krauss Bell Group has really done a lot of work on decision-making in leadership and how that affects safety and that the decisions we make one year, six months, yesterday, dramatically affect the safety of our workplace. And so this idea that, you know, these safety inspections can help find the hazards that are already existing, but why are we not using that data to redesign the workplace? Is it a full circle? And I've thought of it that way, but not really thought of it that way. And I'll explain. As a safety professional who's had various like safety leaders, safety field jobs, where I'm walking the floor and I'm doing these inspections, I'm looking for hazards because I don't think we're ever going to get out of that business. And his logic is interesting and it's pie in the sky. And I think that one there is probably one of the truths that would work in a perfect world. But I think we're, we're never going to get away from doing safety inspections as part of our job because there's always going to be a hazard or something that we can find that we can correct. And the thought that just struck me when reading that is the understanding of what is being said here between the lines is that if we're walking the floor and we're finding a hazard and we fix one hazard and then maybe we walk the rest of the site and we look for the similar hazard and we go and fix it. Have we done anything to prevent it? We've prevented harm. Great. Hey, all for that. But has that feedback reached an engineering department or design department so that we don't make that design flaw again, how do we go back to the very root, the very birth of the hazard and fix it? So if it's a problem with a piece of equipment, how do we make sure that any future equipment would not have that hazard? Is the loop closed? And I know in a lot of very large organizations, sometimes that gets included and a lot of times it doesn't. It never makes it back to the design phase. Uh, new initiatives, new projects, new Kaizans get there. The hazards that are being found never get really root-caused back to the origin, to the very genesis of where they begin. 
and fixing them from that standpoint. It's the decisions that are being made in the boardroom, in the leadership meetings that create these hazards. And then we expect the safety professional to run out there and find them after it's over and then find the solution because we've already put millions of dollars into this project. We can't go back and just scrap it for a safety reason. We'll have to modify it. Heard that a number of times. Walked into a warehouse and actually a series of warehouses that were recently built doing some work. None of them had dock locks or motorized dock plates. And this is modern day. This hasn't been very many years ago. And where dock locks and motorized dock plates are even like less than super manual dock plates where you pry it up and pry it down are a common thing and relatively affordable in consideration of the risk that has well documented for something of that case. And there was a leader at the time who said, why spend money on that when we can just do it cheaper? We can find a better way. And there were some serious injuries that came from some very poor design work there. And it never really changed. That logic just kept on reoccurring over and over again. And it was discouraging. It was dangerous. And it was short-sighted. And that is what is being spoken in 1995. So I was encountering it in the 21st century Here in 1995, the idea was that, yeah, the boardroom, if there are injuries happening, the senior leadership has to look at themselves, has to make a review of what did they do today to encourage the safety of their team. And that's where somewhere along the line, there should be a safety person in that decision-making chain that can play the devil's advocate, can show empathy towards the team, bring up standards, bring up the the common logic that is of the time of what should be happening. And when there's a leader who absolutely refuses to focus on the safety of the process, there should be some opportunity to debate or to take it further up because we're talking about the safety of our people. This isn't something more usually more decision-making would go into a cost perspective. Like if we're going to spend or make money than we would on a safety decision. And that's scary when it comes to making poor decisions. And that's where that empathy, do we have leaders who not only can execute the work, but do they meet our values? Are they up to the standard of emotional intelligence and understanding the value of our people and the values that are inherent to our organization? Thanks again for joining me on this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. And until next time we chat, stay safe.
Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.